Hey everyone, welcome to the Culture of Truth. This is a podcast that reviews the truth of God's word and discusses the influence it has on our lives and worldview. My name is Jeff Amstutz, and today I have with me my good friends, Rob Greer. What's up guys? And Will Hawkins. Hey everyone. We study scripture to understand what it says, grow our understanding of God through it, and ultimately change the way we live our lives in obedience. In this episode, we continue in 1 Peter chapter 3, specifically verses 8 through 12. But before we dive into the text, let's check in. Guys, how has God been working in your life since the last episode? Will, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so community has been something that I've, I've talked about a lot in these check-ins. And there's been an instance where I've seen that support and that love of my community in my life recently. My wife and I have been in counseling uh, individually, but we also go together. The way that community has uh, kind of supported us in that is they've they've come together to provide financially for about 10 sessions. And um, yeah, it's just been really cool to see that happen and see God's provision through community. So that's what that's what God's been doing for us, which is it's been it's been awesome. That's awesome, man. Heck yeah. What about you? I say for me, I mean, you guys know, I just got back from out of the country. For those of you that don't know, part of my job as a product manager, I get to go to the country of Colombia, and my engineering team is out there and it's really fun to go and see them and work with them. But as I'm thinking about this question, I think since then, I've been thinking a lot about what feels like the Lord is communicating to me through that trip and being back is like being consistent with, with spending time with him. And I think when I go on trips like that, it's easy for me to semi get distracted and, you know, not pray in the morning or, or get in the word. And I'm not saying there's always going to be days. You're not going to necessarily do that every day, but I think just being intentional about finding time to, to pray and get in the word. And so I just feel like over these last couple of weeks, I've wanted to be better at that and, I feel like I'm being challenged to to do that and find the time to to get in the word. And so, you know, it's hard to do that when there isn't much accountability. And I think right now my wife and I are in a transition of getting into a community group, trying to find one at our church. And so once we get that and feel like there's some consistency, I think that'll definitely help with staying in the word and, and praying. So Yeah, man. Accountability is something that we all say we want, but it's different when it actually shows up and and tells you to do not what you're doing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, man. For me, uh, just I'll continue on this theme of community. I've been leading a group of guys through the Austin Stone Development Program this past two semesters, and we just finished up. And so they had their last assessment. And man, it was just a great time to see all four of those guys grow so deep in their understanding of various doctrines and understanding scripture. And then the most important part, of how do you pastor people with that knowledge? Because knowing a lot about the Bible is not the point. It's being able to pastor people where they're at and and know God's truth to equip yourself for those moments. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool to see how God just worked in those guys and then worked in my own heart watching them as well. And it's just a huge blessing to be able to do that. And I can't wait to do it again. Heck yeah. Cool. All right, guys, let's get into the text. So Rob... Can you give us a quick recap of where we are in First Peter? Absolutely. So Peter starts off chapter one with telling us that salvation belongs to God. And 
God is the one who causes us to be born again to this living hope that we have in Christ. And so he kind of goes through that in chapter one. And as we go into chapter two, in light of our salvation that God gives us, he begins to walk through what it means to live out this salvation, living a life of, of holiness that reflects God's character. And then in chapter three, which is what we've been in, you take that example that Christ gave us and we follow in his footsteps. And so when we follow in his footsteps, that also means submitting to authority, whether that's government, local, you know, wives and, and husbands and how we talked about that last week in the previous episode. And so today we kind of talk about in light of these truths through God's salvation and, and us submitting to authority, how do we do that when we suffer as Christians, when we suffer from the world's slander or, or hatred towards us as believers? How do we live this out? And so we'll talk about that today. Man, it's good stuff. So we're in verses 8 through 12 today. Will, why don't you go ahead and read that section for us? Yep. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Yeah, thanks, Will. All right, what a great word. What a great passage to consider today. So let's start with verse eight. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. What's the finally referencing to? What's it pivoting from? what we just read before this into what we're talking about now. When we think on the summary that I gave earlier, talking about how salvation belongs to God and in light of Christ's example for how we should live, and then talking about through that example, what it means to submit to authority, all these different people Peter's talking to, servants, wives, husbands, as he's going through that, now he's kind of coming to the, the climax of, in light of the suffering that we are experiencing as believers, finally, all of you, so all the people he was addressing, these are the things that we should have in mind and how we should act in light of the suffering we're experiencing. Yeah, like having addressed specific groups of people, we, we don't want to leave anybody out. There's, there's things for everybody. Um, and so not just the people that so we're talking about, wives and husbands was right before this, but... Mm-hmm everyone having unity of mind. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a big deal. Unity is not just for some. That's, that's an important take. So what's sympathy guys? How are we have supposed to have sympathy for each other? <laughs> Rob, we were just talking about this. What, what did you say being able to, yeah, I feel like you'd be able to say it better. What, what did you say sympathy was? So I'm looking at the definition now. Sympathy means feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. When I think of sympathy in comparison to empathy, because I think that these two are very similar to each other. Yeah. Sympathy is you, you have, you have a feeling towards what someone is going through, but you can't necessarily relate to them or you feel a, you feel compelled to do something about it. I think that's, that's the difference in terms of empathy 
and sympathy. Empathy is a, it sounds like a word of action. Sympathy is more of, of a feeling towards what's going on with someone's life. I mean, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, that, yeah, totally. Especially think, in suffering. I mean, that's what he's talking about. It's like have sympathy for how someone is experiencing something. Yeah, totally. I mean, it even relates to me with brotherly love. Yeah, and I think brotherly love, <laughs> I think a lot of people can tend to think of that that phrase as a singularity to just men when in reality that's referring to all all of God's family all right. brothers and sisters in Christ and so actionable love that is in this specific context started with the mind of thinking about here's how I should feel towards my brother in light of what's currently happening in their lives as they are suffering for Christ's sake yeah yeah, and so we then see a tender heart and a humble mind. Um, anything pop out to you guys when thinking about those? I'm thinking about Ephesians 4, chapter, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think when you have a tender heart, you have, you have this ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive someone of something in such a way that it allows them to experience more of who God is rather than taking away from that experience and responding with what we'll talk about later, repaying evil for evil. Yeah. Or retaliating, which as we mentioned in chapter two, Christ's example was he didn't revile in return. Yeah. But he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, when I think of a tender heart, uh, I try to think of what's the opposite of it, and that helps me understand then what a tender heart is. Well, the opposite of a tender heart is a hardened heart, <laughs> right? So uh, mm. Romans 9, uh, when Paul's talking about how God hardened the heart of Pharaoh in Exodus, Pharaoh's hardened heart was that, no, I will keep, uh, I will keep the people of Israel in captivity i will not let them go uh or he eventually lets them go and then he goes back on he's like no i want you guys i want you back in captivity i'm going to come after you and we know how that story ends that ultimately all those chariots get sucked up by the red sea but that the hardened heart is really after the self right Mm. tender heart is after the interest of others what comes to mind is philippians 2 um you know, there's a lot there, but I'll just read a few verses, uh, starting in verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Then it goes on to talk about how Christ had the whole world's interests, um, on his mind as he sacrificed himself for people that weren't deserving of it. No. So this is really uh, this this great summary here of sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and then a humble mind. <laughs> well, the culture of truth is full of a bunch of guys that probably don't <laughs> default to this, right? I'm speaking to myself right now. What's it mean to have a humble mind? You're saying that we don't have a humble no, mind? No, I'm really talking about myself right now. <laughs> That's not really a comment I would, on you I guys. I would say like that day. too, you know? <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of times where a humble mind for me personally 
am I thinking about what someone's going through or even myself in a way where Mm -hmm. if I don't understand it, am I saying that or am I believing that I do have understanding of it and trying to fix it Mm. or fix them? Yeah. And so when I think of a humble mind, it's like, Lord, whether it's myself that's suffering or someone else, I, I need to be able to have the brotherly love and a tender heart to not try to fix them or not try to have a mindset of like, I have all the answers, but God, I don't have the answers and you do. And I need your help to understand the situation or navigate it in a way that doesn't elevate me, but puts others interests before mine. Yeah. I, I loved, um, I, I forget where half these quotes that I remember come from, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember someone talking about humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yes. And that's a really Mm -hmm. cool perspective because that's ultimately what a passage like Philippians two is trying to get us to not think that, I mean, we aren't as important as we think we are. Let's just go ahead and say that. But (laughs) at the same time, it's the idea is get your attention on to others and care for them. Uh, That's that to me is a really especially in light of sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart. And yes, think of others more often than yourself. Man, I'm, I'm just listening to y'all. Y'all are saying y'all are as always spot on. Um, it's interesting to me kind of in this pivot point where he's is describing to what, how we should be, be unity of mind, be like-minded, have sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, humble mind. If we don't have all these things, and like you're saying, the opposite is the hardened heart. We're not humble. We're, we're, there's pride, selfishness. There's sin that come with that. When you are actively in sin or have or are experiencing sin, you're more likely to revile and repay evil for evil. Yeah, that's right. Versus when you are approaching to love, uh, to be kind to what, as Ephesians four thirty two, like Rob said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as Christ God in Christ forgave you, you're having that perception and that mindset and that truth in your heart and on your mind. It's a, you're, you're on the side of where you're, you're going to, like it says later, bless versus revile. So that part is just interesting to me. It's like a a framework for how to not respond to somebody with hate or hostility. Yeah. It's like, have these things. Um, and then Ephesians four, two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. And so I always, every time I hear the word love, I try to remember love is patient. Love is kind. What is, what is love? It's these action items. Yeah. So if you're, if you're actively trying to love, it's going to be a lot harder for you to want to do, do something sinful, like repay somebody for the evil that they've done. You're able to suffer well, essentially. Yeah. I remember um, when we were in this past run through of ASDP when we were going through the God, God's communicable attributes. Uh, God's love is one of them. So one that we can understand the simple definition of it is love is the giving of yourself. It's arguably the opposite of what you're saying is uh, when you're not loving, it's because you're taking for yourself. <laughs> you're not giving of yourself. You're taking for yourself. I like that. I like that too. Cause when I think of empathy, I feel like you're in a sense, you're giving of yourself. You're putting yourself in, in their place. You're giving them, time you're giving them your heart your attention your care yeah you're putting you're stepping into their pain so rather than being like the sympathy side is hey that's really hard i'm so sorry that's terrible and then you that's it there's really no bridge beyond that 
that steps into their pain. I think that's where empathy or is that, that, that bridge point. Yeah. You step over that and that bridge is that, that love. Maybe, maybe one, uh, would it be, let me ask you this. Would it be fair to say that empathy is to consider deeply mm-hmm. the suffering of your brother? Sympathy is take the time to help them not stay there. For sympathy. S- sim- yeah, sympathy, sympathy is, is to, uh, I'm going to take the time because you can empathize, but then be like, eh, but I guess you're on your own. Because em- empathy would be your internalizing of their pain. Your sympathy yeah, is your yeah. external external response to mm-hmm. their pain. Yeah, I, I almost can see that both can help them get out of it. But I, at oh, the same, both are necessary. Yeah. yeah, at the same time, I'm not I'm not too sure. When I'm in those situations, I guess my response to seeing someone suffer like that or is just be in that space with them and try to sit in it with them, whether that's me just empathizing or sympathizing. But it's not being quick to be like, okay, I've been here for five minutes listening. I actually have to go do something else. It's like I make time for that. Mm-hmm. And I think with the best way to show love is T-I-M-E. You give them yeah. you give them your time. That's right. Your energy and effort. So I think that does a lot more than me trying to say, hey, maybe you should try this. Maybe you should try well, that. What, maybe what, you should do Maybe this. we can grow the understanding of of what sympathy is so for instance uh if you were to sympathize for a homeless person um let me me say let's do both sympathy and empathy empathizing with a homeless person would be take some time to consider the struggles that a homeless person has to deal with Mm. sympathy would be why don't you actually go help them so to to sympathize with those who are suffering says i'm gonna i'm gonna take action to go do something Uh, so let's talk about ukraine right now to sympathize with ukraine would be to like donate spend time uh, you know get the word out about that to empathize would be to sit there and consider what it's like to have your own house yeah. blown up yeah and and both are very important um it just, mm. so it's not always just like hey why don't you deal with it bro that's not really sympathy because <laughs> that's not yeah, yeah. that's not an empathetic sympathy right yeah Imp- yeah so it sounds like empathy is you are picturing yourself in that situation Mm-hmm. versus I'm going to go and be in that situation with the people who are experiencing that situation Yeah, and yeah. care for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and when I'm saying like you sit in it with them, you're, you're saying like you're taking the time to, to consider, right? And it's, Hey, if I lost a loved one the same way you did, how would that make me feel? I would feel like you, you kind of take that pain. You try to imagine what that would be like. You're putting them yourself in their shoes. Right. That's, that's so, how I view it. So for instance, like sympathy without empathy is like, I'm trying to get brownie points with people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm out, I'm out to, to just see if I can get on people's good sides by sympathizing with people who are suffering uh, versus empathy without sympathy is just you thinking about someone else's pain. Mm-hmm. And it's not really doing anything. So I, to me, given this discussion, I think it's very clear why sympathy is the word used here because it says go do something about it. Gotcha. But that doesn't mean yeah. empathy doesn't exist. That empathy comes in the brotherly love, a tender heart, yeah. a humble mind. Yeah. So it's they're implicitly kinda, there. They're kind of tag team oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in this scenario. Yeah. I think it, I love that you were saying that love is giving of yourself because when it's saying on the con, instead of doing these things, repaying evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but instead give of yourself, bless. Yeah. Speak highly of them is something that I read to speak well of them. Um, 
but yeah, like in some of the notes, it's finding ways to serve him or her, finding ways to serve them, praying, praying for them, expressing thankfulness, speaking well, desiring for their well-being. Like yeah. that is a loving response of somebody um, doing something harmful to you or hateful to you um, versus, you know, and that's doing hard. it back to them. Yeah. So like that is a picture of love is imagine your worst enemy, someone who's terrible to you and treats you terribly and you're thinking well of them, speaking well of them, not complaining about them, praying for them, yeah. finding ways to serve them. That's a, that's the model that we got from Jesus. Yeah. I mean, straight up, uh, we had that in, in chapter two, verse 23. So first Peter two twenty three says when he was reviled. So Jesus, Jesus did not revile in return when he suffered. He did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Yeah. Our natural response when someone causes, when, when someone gives us evil and we experience suffering because of it, natural response is to repay that. Cause there, there's like an impulse of justice that's kind of there, but the impulse of justice is not mm. necessarily the actually looking like Christ. Cause the impulse of justice, us wanting to take it into our own hands. Yeah. Wow. Trust, trusting God with him being just there. This doesn't mean that we don't participate in like dealing with, like there, there's a dealing with injustice as well. Uh, you know, when you are sympathetic to those who are experiencing suffering, when you have brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind, uh, and you're blessing those who are experiencing suffering, these are things that like we want to help push away injustice in the world. But impulsive response would be, oh, you slap me, so I got to slap you. Mm -hmm. And so not all forms of dealing with injustice are Christ-like, even though dealing with injustice is important. Amen. I'm looking at verses that are in reference to the word bless. And Luke 6, 28, Romans 12, 14, 1 Corinthians 4, 12, which was something Will and I were talking about as well. Luke 6, 28 says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. <laughs> and then Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Jeez. And then 1 Corinthians 4, 12, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. I love that. Yeah, it's so awesome. much. But it's, it's hard because your flesh, like you said, you will not do it. Yeah, it won't do it. Without the Holy Spirit's work and power and self-control to refrain from that it's it's impossible and so yeah I, I i just think of myself if i have thoughts that are evil towards x person who's saying or doing things towards me i'm gonna want to act in a way that is evil for evil but if i have these thoughts in mind have that unity of mind as we're talking about it will be easier for me to respond in a way that is christ-like and hopefully give that person an opportunity to know God through yeah. my actions and my words. I mean, that's, that's what we just talked about earlier in chapter three. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. When Peter was talking to wives saying, Hey, if you have a husband who doesn't believe the way you treat your marriage is a primary way that they'll experience the gospel. They'll see Jesus in you. Mm. And so this is again, taking the same general call to all of us to look like Christ and bringing it to a wider audience. But, yeah, the theme is very clear with the last few 
sections we've been studying. Yeah, and even even the chapter before that, talking about authority with government or yeah. whatever might your boss at work, whatever it might be, suffering in that and not reviling, suffering well. That's a display. Other people can look at you and be like, "Why do you? Why do you do that? Why don't you respond differently? Why don't you do do that back? Why don't to you them? take what's yours?" Yeah, right. There's yeah. there's a natural bent. Other people will ask you that. Then that's an opportunity for you to be like, "Well, because of," and then you the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Takes the Holy Spirit, Rob. You're spot on when you were saying that. Um, well, let's let's uh, continue in verse 10 through 12. Will, why don't you read that section for us? Yeah, so f- verse 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Hmm. And there's a lot. There's a lot there. So, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. This is coming from, I think it's Psalm 34. Yeah. Yeah. It is. 12 through 16. 12 through 16. Yeah. Whoever desires to love life and see good days. Isn't it amazing to think that there's people who don't want to do that people just want to see the world burn yeah and it for me it's almost like a complacency like i don't even i don't think of one or the other i don't think i don't wake up and being like i want to love life but i also don't think i want to see the world burn it's just like there was something there was a quote i don't know if it was even from what we read recently or something i'm reading somewhere else but it's that life isn't a problem to solve I can't remember the second part of that, but I go around always thinking, okay, here's this problem. Here's this problem. Here's this problem. I got to solve that, solve that, solve that. And versus me being like, what's the fullness and joy of life? Yeah. How do I live this in a way that I, I have this, this inner joy Yeah. and that God, God works through me. And I, I love who I am. I love my wife. I love my family. I love my community element you know all those things i don't go around so i'm in this middle ground most of my life until mm. i'm seeing it now i think the lord's revealing and working through me in that sense yeah it's, it intersects with our concept of worship you know uh you can take two two people both doing the same action and one could be done in a worship in a sense of worship and the other in a sense of of not worshiping god right so if you take your job you know we all have jobs that hopefully we like and if you're like, yeah, I go to a job because I guess I want to eat, that's different than saying I have a job to love my family and provide to have my uh, thing, the, the money I get that I don't need to help other people, um, to help the church, to help those who are in need. That's a, that's a different view on the same thing of going to the same job and doing the same tasks for money. Right. You know, I don't know. That's what came to mind when you were talking, Will, mm-hmm. is... You can think about your life in a sense of worship or not. Meaning if you desire to love life and see good days, that's a really interesting word. If, if you desire to worship with your life, then what? What does the text say? So it says, keep your tongue from evil and his or her, her lips from speaking deceit. Yeah. So I think when we read that, especially as I'm thinking about it, this doesn't make sense if you don't understand the gospel. Mm, yeah. Like, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking to see. I also think it's interesting that the word whoever here is used. Which means to me, he's talking to everybody. 
unbelievers and believers. Whoever desires this must understand the gospel in order to appropriately apply such a such a thing, which is to keep his or her tongue from evil and his or her t- lips from speaking deceit. And why is that important? Because that's what Christ did. Right. That's how Christ was able to entrust himself to God because he did not do these things. He did not revile in return. He did not retaliate, but instead he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Yeah. And to think of him dying on the cross and all that he suffered there, it's not like he was the only one who was ever crucified, but he was the one who was crucified for the sake of worship of the father. That's a really interesting thing. So like keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit, let him turn away from evil and do good. This is not, we know from the context that this is in of more scriptures talking about what righteousness is doing good is not the same as being righteous, but they are related. Right? So when I see turn away from evil and do good, it's because you're desiring to worship with your life. If you happen to do good, but weren't doing it for the sake of worship, you weren't righteous. You just happen to do some good things. Mm. All right, well, let's, let's finish out verse 12. Uh, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What's some simple things we can observe from this? For me, that there's the imagery. I'm not sure if I have really anything behind this, but the imagery, the eyes of the Lord... His ears are open to their prayer, and then the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That just stands out to me because we've yeah. talked about his attributes, and some of that is his omnipresence, right? He doesn't actually have a form, but he they they use words to to make it more human for us to understand, right? For that imagery. So for me, when it's included that way, there's a reason, right? So that's what's interesting to me. What's that word? anthropomorphic yeah i can't i don't know if i pronounced that right but it's like using using words in such a way that it's easily relatable to the human experience and Mm -hmm. so eyes like you said ears and and face it's like god is constantly watching and listening to his people yeah and he's also watching and listening to those who do evil but when you do evil he is against that why because it's unrighteous right Right. God, God wants him to be worshiped in all of creation and doing evil is people or general creation rebelling against that purpose. That's the simplest way we can talk about it. So the eyes that you said it, you nailed it with the eyes of the Lord are on his people. Those mm-hmm. are the righteous, the righteousness being defined by him, not by, well, you did some good stuff. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, maybe I'm just making the connection too, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So in a sense, I, I mean, he still sees them. He still hears, but it's it's almost like those eyes and those ears are turned yeah. from from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From those people who do evil. With, yeah, you face, the, you whole face, face the people right? you're relating to. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, we talked about that. I remember we talked about uh, in a previous episode uh, when we were going through the incommunicable attributes. What does it mean for God's presence to not be somewhere? Yes. Yeah. I thought of that. Yeah. It's the, he's there, but not there. Um, or he's there and a, not the purpose that you want. He's there to judge. Yeah. Um, and you remember the three, not to, the not three to bless. ways. Yeah. Um, help me out. But one of them is to 
bless. One of them is to punish. What was the third one? Sustain, I think. I think it was sustain. Yeah. Which that is going to stick with me forever. There's he's his presence comes in three ways to bless, sustain, or punish. Yeah. So in this sense, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So in a sense that, or that is punishment, right? So, yeah, that's good. Well, this is a great study, guys. I really enjoyed going through verses 8 through 12 and can't wait for us to get to uh, the rest of chapter 3. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for those who listened to this episode, and we hope that you are encouraged and equipped in truth. Please share this with a friend or a loved one so that others can be reminded of God's truth today. As always, thanks for listening to the Culture of Truth podcast. Until next time.